Maya Angelou. Is that how you pronounce? Do you know? Um, yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah. That's pretty accurate. Angelou, yes. yeah. Yeah. yeah, is that how you pronounce it? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. I love I love her quotes, and um, a lovely woman popped it under my Brené Brown's quote, which I will talk about in a second. And um, it said, she, Maya said, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Welcome to the Full Stop Podcast with Berenice Smith from Walking Our Shoes, Sarah Lawrence from After the Storm, and me, Michael Hughes from Married and Childless. If this is your first time here, our podcast is centred around supporting the Childless Not By Choice community. Our aim is to be a focal point for the community and with all our special guests, show you how to manage your grief on this issue specific to us. And by example, show that a full and happy life can be had without children we dearly wanted. Now this episode, we're having a conversation with the gorgeous Helen Siegel and her work with grief and the arts showing how the arts can be a therapy to help with managing grief. But before we join Helen, we just want you to know Sarah couldn't be with us on this episode. It will be explained later. Berenice and I just wanted to say, we missed you, Sarah. It doesn't feel right when you're not with us. Okay, let's talk to Helen. Hi, hello everyone. My name's Helen Siegel and I am the founder of Empowered Childlessness. Oh, it's so lovely to be here and thank you, um, Berenice and Michael for um, asking me to come on to talk about um, the healing arts and especially around grief and especially around, for me, it's about childlessness. Um, I am um, a childless woman, of course. I am... Um, used to be an arts teacher and I still teach art but my passion is around using the healing arts. I'm um, an arts counsellor, I actually work with children but I really I also work with women and some men to support around the issue around childlessness um, and using the arts and um, therapeutic techniques to to help them embody to help them to sort of accept really embrace themselves and a little bit more about me is I'm dyslexic and I was brought up I wasn't able to speak until I was three and that was something that was so quite traumatic to me actually as a young very young person so communication is utmost for me and I remember I tell this story it was when I was three years old and I was walking home from play school with my mother and my little baby brother and suddenly I noticed that I hadn't got my teddy and this bear was my security blanket um it really supported me in just being really it gave me that comfort that i needed as a three-year-old and i found it wasn't in my arms and i screamed and screamed and screamed and screamed my mom my poor mom in the middle of the road as you see mums right just <laughs> kids on the floor screaming just couldn't 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 comfort me 
and she couldn't actually understand what the what I was trying to say to her. Um, most three-year-olds can speak, right? I couldn't. I couldn't tell her that um, I was distraught. I could show her, but I couldn't tell her. And I remember my mum saying, you wait. She started telling me off. You wait till you, your dad gets home. So, you know, with my tail between my legs, I sort of, you know, like humped off home behind my mum. And... Um, got home my dad actually did tell me off quite severely and um, I just learned that I needed to be quiet in my emotional life I mean that wasn't the only um, time that I was told that emotions weren't okay so as I grew up went to school I learned how to speak I um, had an amazing um, speech therapist at Great Ormond Street and she spent six months patiently teaching me to speak and then um, it, it was just such a beautiful feeling to be able to put feelings words um, you know connected to feelings I mean I found it very hard imagine like three years of my life not speaking and then suddenly trying to sort of catch up anyway I went to school and unfortunately, through that um, delay that I had of development, things didn't go off quite well. And I sort of, with that message of I'm not enough, I can't express my emotions, they're not okay, I'm not okay, something's wrong. Those messages sort of followed me through and I had quite a lot of bullying happening at school and not being able to communicate effectively to myself really of how serious it was, but also to people that could help um, to make things better. And that sort of spiraled in teenage years. <laughs> things got worse as they do in teenage years, right? Um, they don't find things easy to communicate in teenage, it's hard to be a teenager. And then, so I got habits and um, behaviors that just made things worse. I became quite a people pleaser. I became quite a codependent and did things that just sort of hurt me really. And that, that sort of led to when I was 28, I was working on the ships. And I met a person that really helped me realize that, hey, something is not right here. Um, my relationships were really poor. Um, I was heavily into um, food disorder of trying to be perfect. I needed to be perfect. And, and it, you know, it, you can't be perfect, right? We can really try and be perfect, but it's an impossible task. And it was causing me a lot of grief. So I got into therapy, I got into personal development, and, um, and I started to learn how to communicate my emotions. First of all, touch my emotions. And it's, it's, it can be stressful to start with. But I learned that feelings are not our enemy. We don't need to throw, you know, put a heavy blanket over them we don't need to squish them down deep into our bodies or you know tuck them under the carpet we don't need to do that in fact to live a healthy life we need to process our emotions we need to 
um, yeah, processed, heal things that have been um, uncovered, like stuffed <laughs> um, for a little while. We need to express them. And I learned very early on in that time, I, got, I was in a workshop and I remember this so beautifully that um, there's this gentleman who's unfortunately no longer with us um, called Bob Earl. And it was a creative, um, was it a creative arts, but he, the workshop incorporated the arts. So writing and dancing and drawing. Um, and it, I just loved it. And I remember running around this room um, pretending to be, I think I was pretending to be a bird, I don't know. And just, and I remember Bob going, fly, Helen, fly. And my imagination just helped me soar. And I just felt amazing. You know, I was able to express that joy in my heart. That hadn't been expressed. I was also able to express a lot of self-hatred in my writing and in some drawing and for it to be witnessed and for me to sort of let go of some of my self-hatred at the time and that helped me start taking more risks. I went to college, I, I had flunked out of school, I left school at 16 with very little qualifications and I really wanted to go back I started to get you know those once those feelings are processed we can other things start moving in our lives so I went to college and that went into art college and and I, then I went to university and I wanted to teach and teach children to embrace their creativity I became an arts teacher and then I just thought in the system this is not working <laughs> I can't do what I want to do so then I went I trained as a, a counsellor and um and specifically an arts counsellor I, I um connected more to the intuitive arts and it, all the way through is about being heard and being seen and in my classroom and with women I work with it's about witnessing them and supporting them to to embrace to reclaim what they've been hid, hidden so when I became a childless woman after two IVF treatments I I realized that this work that I was doing that I had been doing for 20 years um, could really be interpreted and to support women who are childless to uncover their grief you know I was seeing for myself when I became a childless woman I scream I don't know how you guys were but I screamed I screamed my heart out and I crawled you know under the covers and just weeped with that longing that I knew that that I would never be the mum. You know, I got to a healing place that I met my partner and I, I, we really had a lot of hope, you know, even though I was in my 40s, there was a lot of hope in my heart that, that hadn't been 
and you know what they say you know Jodie talks about it it's like I was brought up in the 70s and 80s you have sex you have a child right <laughs> well, that's what you need to do have sex and you have a baby so don't have sex or you know have lots of precautions and then you won't have a baby so we just thought even though I was in my 40s I was just like you know that I would have a child even though my mind there was a part of me going this is too late all the doctors were just saying to me it's going to happen so all the way through that I weaved my arts and then I've got I was I look at them when I'm doing a lot of copy at the moment on my new website and um, there's a lot of heartache that's in the in those books but and what what that helped me was that I was not alone it wasn't stuffed inside me that I was able to write it to draw it those painful times and um so yeah I've come to a place that communication is utmost in grief we need I need to communicate I and I write and draw most days and when I don't draw, I definitely, or I don't write, I definitely miss, miss that communication and, and sort of uncovering what is actually going on for me. Because life's busy. I don't know about you guys, but I get caught up in the news and, and doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I can neglect. And what I, very early on in my grief, I realized that I needed to honor. And um, one of the uh, it, um, advertising uh, Jodie's reignite because one uh, I knew Jodie before um, um, Gateway, and I joined reignite. It was like I was ready to to do some to do some work, and I remember um, sitting there going, "I, you know what? Why am I feeling so ashamed of grieving?" And what is this I'm actually feeling? And it was realizing that I had to, I know, my first workshops were grieve with gusto. So it's like, how can we grieve big, right? How can I grieve big, not in everyone's life, but how can I allow myself just to be and grieve with gusto, grieve without shame, grieve with you know the, the, the countries where they well, you know yeah, that therapeutic grief, isn't it? The the grief where it's more I, I you know, I, I went to a funeral last year and um did many funerals as we as we all do, I suppose, and it was it's that typical sort of British funeral where everyone's doing the, the, the yes, and, and how are you? And, and actually what you want to do is really kind of get quite, sometimes quite vocal, I think, yeah. about it. I think that's it, you know. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. It's much more therapeutic. I think when you see grief in other countries and other cultures, it can often feel a little bit, I think sometimes quite awkward because we're just so not used to that. But actually it's it's so therapeutic to have a good, yeah a good wail a good scream a good 
yeah it's 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 a good thing do you think it, it suppresses us i mean if you think about grief I, I don't know whether it's something you've encountered that that if we hold the grief and we keep it close and we don't talk about it at some point i always find it then comes out later and yes. how that's never to me a very feels particularly healthy that i think we should all grieve a bit louder you know, a bit more openly. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I, I suppose we all grieve differently. I mean, in my training, um, we we looked at different. I was going to say sex, but different religions, different. Um, I can't think of the word, religions and organisations. Um, and how they how they create funeral, how they create um, like a ceremony. Well, it's a ceremony, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you know, in the Jewish, I'm Jewish, and in the Jewish ceremony, afterwards there's um, prayers, and we pray for seven. I think it's seven days. And there'll be there'll be Israelis here and Jewish people here will know. And please correct me because I'm I'm not practicing I'm a Jewish person. But I remember um, that the 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 grieving person family sits, and basically they people come in. It's a set time, and there's a, there's people around them, and there's a set number of people that pray with them and then people other people come in and they pray with them as well and send their regards they don't cook and they they've just really looked after in these this time L candles are lit memorial candles are lit yardside candles are lit every year and it's a it's it's i love that part it's beautiful and it's sort of um, an honoring that we, it's sort of set that we don't have to think about it but somehow in childlessness because it's disenfranchised we don't have that mm. you know it's like the um christian the irish they have their wakes but we don't have that and it's i think it's so important for us to as when we're letting go even if it's child free even it's out of choice there's a there's a time in that choice, there's still a loss, you know, because a choice is either this, this or this, right? So you need to let go of something. I still, you know, when I, there's changing careers, there's still a loss. It's a choice, but what was with circumstances, childless out of circumstances, and is that that choice is being taken away. So that grief is, is different. Um, yeah, we don't like not getting what we want, right? As human beings, yeah, we don't yeah, that's like true. excruciating, yeah. especially, you know, as children, but as adults, um, it's really painful. And I think honouring our, through some form of ritualization, ceremony, some form of, every, I mean, every year I light a candle, I like candles with other losses in my life um, and light them for 24 hours, just honoring that time for myself. 
um, honoring that loss and those feelings that I have. I write, I've, I've planted seeds, I've bought plants and, and grow them. And there's something about doing that for ourselves. And I suppose that's what my workshops are all about. It's creating that time to honor that loss, to process those feelings, to let go of wounds that, um, and I'm, I suppose I'm talking about the creative wounds. I'm talking about um, things that are no longer true in our lives that can get hooked into um, our childlessness. So for me, when I was, and I don't know about you guys, but when I was, when I went through that, when I on the bed <laughs> screaming when their last IVF did not work, um, I, you know, afterwards, after a while, and I know Berenice, you know, that it does take some time because part of the loss, we go, go into shock. So yes. there was, yeah. even I screamed, when I was out in public, it was, there was a part of me, there was a, a relief as well of getting him back into work. And, and, you know, I was smashing my vision boards. I was ripping up old journals that I had been mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. writing to my unborn children. I mean, all of that needed to be processed. So there was a releasing in that, but it was afterwards that I noticed that I, those wounds of those messages that, that three-year-old, in fact, probably earlier, two-year-old, um, I'm going probably earlier. Anyway, <laughs> um, you know, I'm not enough. You know, um, I didn't do it right. I shouldn't be doing this. You know, I shouldn't be feeling that. You know, all those old messages started to creep up in my life as a childless woman. Like, now what? Shit, I didn't make it work. Oh, can I swear here? You can swear. It's absolutely fuck, fine. Like, fuck, like, what did I do wrong? I didn't, you know, I didn't do this and I didn't do that. And, you know, perfectionism started crawling in and, yeah. and all of that needed to be processed and understood. So the workshop is, the workshops are not just to grieve our childlessness. It's also to um reclaim ourselves reclaim our lives um and i think it's a long process for me it's been five years um and that embracing and reclaiming and releasing and recreating taking risks um being quiet not being quiet it's mm. It, yeah it's all it's a such a big rich journey to go down really I feel very I want to say I feel very honored I don't know if I feel honored I don't know if I'd wish anyone to be childless if they wanted to have children but I think what I'm starting to feel is like there's you know sitting here talking to you and anytime I talk 
in in podcasts and interviews and when I'm doing my summits there's um I feel honored to be in a group of going down this journey because it's it's not easy right it's rich with emotion it feels like what a what a proud life not to be to be feeling and living this and and make you know i hope i'm making a difference by talking about it and and saying emotions are okay and and um i suppose being authentic and it, i feel very it's a big learning process yeah. isn't it I think yeah yeah i think it's something that we've talked about often between the three of us on the podcast and i think in in groups online is how i wouldn't be sitting here doing a podcast had i have not been through that process i wouldn't have met you i wouldn't have met michael or sarah um and doubtless none of us possibly be on that journey and i i think it's interesting because I, I was going to just talk about when you when you were talking about um about reclaiming and i think that's such an important word because in fact i was talking last night to my to my husband because we've been looking tentatively at moving house because and it was trying to say to him and 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 we've had the conversation before but there's very different feelings and between i think people who've gone through ivf between partners and 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 i think it can be two very different things we talked about it often i think in in other episodes and particularly in the in the men matter episodes that we do as well with with michael but it's living or trying to sort of untangle oneself myself I'm talking about myself here really um from where I live and the experiences and bringing together some sort of peace with that but also trying to explain it as well because it occurred to me that there is only one room in this house which happens to be like the room at the front of the house that um we've, we've got desks and offices in that is the only room that didn't impact or has no memory of IVF Wow. Everything else has. And in fact, to a point, that sort of does, because I've got in that room is the file of all of the, the treatment. Oh, there you go. I see it does have a connection now. <laughs> but it, it did. It always has a connection. Even the loft has a connection, because in the loft of our house is still all my box of medication. I've kept it. I wanted to keep it. Um, so it's all here. You know, the kitchen, I can remember building the... Um, the needle that I had to, to you know, because you had to sort of put that all together and, and the dining room, um, everything in every room had a, had a, a thing. And when I went into counselling, um, sometime after, I wouldn't recommend leaving it too long, but I did. Don't do as I say, um, or do as I did. Um, but it was, um, I realised at one point that it was what was around me that was kind of almost holding me back from yeah. moving forward. And to a degree, yes, there is a kind of thing where I think, okay, I'd like to kind of start again, have that change. But actually, you know, as my husband pointed out, actually last night, this is only as, as recent as yesterday evening, is that would, would it matter if you moved house? Does it matter? Because you're still you, you're still carrying that narrative forward. You know, whether you're in a different place or another, you know, or here, then it's still going to carry on with you. It's still part of your narrative. And I, and I think it's kind of, it, I don't want to go back to the whole thing about reclaiming because it's almost as if it's, 
you <laughs> it's it's as if you you have this grief or you know people have grief and it is part of your narrative i think that the story that you that we all have in our community are also varied and so different but it's it's reclaiming ourselves somewhere along the line from this 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 huge trauma whether you've been like you and i um have been through um a journey of discovery I, a lot of your story resonates with me because i went through i did an open university degree whilst i was going through ivf again don't recommend it but i wrote i, and did I wrote counseling training for my ivf yeah recommend yeah, it I, I do. <laughs> Exactly. And I kind of and I can remember sitting in a day school because they do day schools at the youth university and there was a new grandmother there, you know, and I sat next to her and like, oh my god. And about two or three days beforehand, I had miscarried. And I was going to I thought, I've got to go to the day school. I'm in pain, but I'm gonna go. So I'm sitting there, you know, on pain meds, feeling absolutely awful, emotionally fraught, because it was a fair way through. And there she sat and the lecturer, um, lady called Rhiannon, um, was a published author, absolutely lovely mother herself, but she sat there and looked at me and said, you're not, you're not quite right, are you? I said, no, I'm really not right. So I, I really, you know, this, you know, sorry, I've been through quite a lot and just tried to give like a very, a very sort of top level view as best as I could in the circumstances. And she just kept a gentle eye on me all the way through all of this. And, um, and just, I said, I don't think I can finish this module. I don't think I can do it. And she said, just write, write anything on our market. Just write something, just get it out. Um, turned out that she'd had um, recurrent miscarriages as well. Um, I found that out a bit later on, but she just encouraged me to write stuff. And when I go back and look at that and the drawings and the art that I created at the time, which I still have, um, it's painful. Yeah. But it was cathartic because I don't think I would have got through it any other way. I think it kept me sort of somewhere, um, somewhere on some sort of degree of sanity. I don't know. It sort of helped, but it it's hard. It's it's difficult to look at. I can understand that feeling of yeah. screaming. It's I resonate with that terribly. You know, I I literally my my legs went when my legs going out from under me numerous times during. You know you just wouldn't hold me up anymore and I've never felt that before or since it's just that absolute physical manifestation of something that is just so incredibly painful and there's something you know as we're speaking it's like just even honoring this space even talking about these these times really um and I love you know I I remember this word reclaiming keeps coming up and it's like reclaiming our lives, reclaiming who we are because the grief can take over. And I, and too right, it needs to take over us. Um, it's when we hold on really tight to it. And I think there is a time when, I think there's a natural time um, we stop identifying with it or we want to let it go. And it's, you know, I remember, and I, and I think it's not just one time. <laughs> I think for me, I, those journals I needed to burn. And I think those journals, I will, um, that was a reclaiming. It was like a ceremony to, to observe, like I had suffered, it didn't work. 
and now it's time not necessary to necessarily move on because that word is so much connotation of like never feeling but it's like there's a, a an empowerment into well I'm going to take my next step forward and this you know I I got all I got I boxed up I don't know if you did this I boxed up everything pamphlets books pit oh my god pills boxes of in you know what I mean all of it in in a box and I um I got oh gosh I'm emotional I got my um uh I, with this vision board it was like um, an a3 vision board and I went to town I ripped and burnt and um I brought my partner in uh, Simon and um, there was a, a tricky part of the break I couldn't, do. I couldn't do and I said can you come and help me and he said what are you doing I told him and it was it was the first time I'm feeling the emotion because I saw him break as well with breaking this and I suppose you know sort of bringing you in Michael of like you know men sort of hold it together right side sort of holds it together he processes his grief very differently and sometimes it has been on the back of my grief like he's had a permission to to allow those feelings to sort of break through the cracks um and part of that breaking of this very hard piece of wood sort of helped him break mm. and allowed me to see the grief that he was feeling um so i don't know if you identified there's many things that 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 resonate or rumble through our life in that from what you've said is and it's a joke within our circle of friends is we're on to something like our fourth garden renovation and our fourth house redesign because one of the things that Vicky talks about is that the, the, the as Veronese said, it's the memories that sit here. And um, for me, I, I, I get it, I understand it. But for me, it's more of, I don't know what the word is, but it's like getting, it's like you say, honour it. It's like getting used to it. I, I, the way I would put it is own it. Yes. I, I sort of got that bit of campaign a couple of, well, well, childless weeks ago. And that's the way that I would explain it is you've got to own it. It's, you, it's not, it's not, it don't wishy wash it, don't dilute it. You're childless. That's it. Get used to it. Obviously, you lovely ladies would put it in a much more eloquent way. <laughs> that's the way I see it. Um, and so, yeah look so vicky and our dynamic is a little bit different in that in that you know there is an, and i'm not saying tension or, or, or stress or anything but you know we um we still got a way to go a lot of people look at us and think well you know from a childless perspective you guys have got it together but no you know i mean no i shouldn't say no what i should say is that that it's a it's a continual thing that we work on all the time you know, so listening to, you know, listening to you um, and listening to say honor, honoring it. Yeah. I totally, totally get that. 
even though some people in our community who may not be as far down the line of acceptance as some will be just going, what the fuck is it? How, how can we honor this? It's killing me. I think um, that's quite true though. I think you, it, it is, I mean, what, what you said there, you and Vicky, I think very much reflects how we are here. Kenny and I, we, you know, we, we're talking last night because it came up and it, and it turned into quite a heated conversation about the house and about being here. And I, I can't remember how the conversation even started. Um, but it's, it's as if it's a, it's a different way of looking at it for, for, for him, it, the children would have been, would have been, he calls it like the, the icing on the cake, but he was quite happy with the fact we didn't have children. It, it would have all been fine. And either way, for me, it was the, that's what I wanted. And I, and I think also partly, I, I think, cause we're all growing up at roughly the same time. Um, you know, children's of the, you know, children of the seventies and the eighties. And, and that's almost how like society can, conforms and my I suppose my hope is that for the next generation and these conversations we're having and the more slightly more openness of, of the difference between childlessness and child free and that future generations won't that my godchildren won't have all of this they won't have to conform to things you know I, I have a very dear um, teenager in my life who who identifies as as non-gender she's you know and she's had that choice and um they've had that choice to do that 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 then means that that, that they don't have to conform to the oh okay like i i get married i have kids or i i, I meet someone and i have children that, that they have that choice to be to have a wider life than perhaps sometimes our society sort of thinks we should have or we have to conform to things and maybe that's also perhaps does that society pressure perhaps as well of again what how men grieve how women grieve how people grieve together or, or don't as the case may be i'm digressing mm. slightly but I, I i kind of can see it from the point of view of yeah kenny and i are very similar i think to you and vicky and i noticed that when i met you and we were all talking in in london i could see so many parallels because it's and it is, it's, and sometimes you need that guy thing, you know, and, and you do. And, I, and I, I've always appreciated that because I've always gotten much better um, and I have a male-dominated family and it's, it's like it is, you know. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of that, you know, don't, don't do the fluffy stuff. Let's just, just cut to the crap here. You know, this is what it is and this is what we've got to deal with and this is the problem. Um, but grief isn't so guy like it's not so it's not yeah. so easily defined is it um no, it's, and it's trying it's to bridge that gap in that conversation um mm. because it's intangible and difficult to pin down but isn't it certainly it, is no i think you know i i, I love i that male perspective is especially in this community um or all communities right it's about balance and i think for me it I own it for me embrace it it's like there is we can be on the outside right we can be not owning it and it's for me that's so painful and how that's painful you know I can go into when I'm not owning things I don't know about you guys but you know I'm blaming I'm shaming blaming myself shaming myself so it's internal but I'm also blaming other people 
I'm shaming other people. I can be quite, you know, it's not fair. You know, I have to be very aware of my own entitlement and even my entitlement as a childless woman. Um, and I have to be really, so it's like owning, owning this journey, owning our lives is, I was actually, um, wanted to, someone's just posted on my community. I wrote, um, I love Brene Brown. She, we were, I was talking to Leslie Pine, um, on, on Wednesday and, um, we were talking about the creative wound and part of the work, you know, owning our owning, embracing our lives, how we feel, who we are, what we're in, our reality, like life on life's terms is, I'm going to just say this, this, this quote, uh, by, I can't, Maya, Angelou, is that how you pronounce? Do you know? Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's, yeah. That's pretty Angelou, accurate. Yes. Yeah. yeah, is that how you pronounce it? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. I love, I love her quotes, and um, a lovely woman popped it under my Brené Brown's quote, which I will talk about in a second. And um, it said, she Maya said, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Like not telling our stories, not telling, not, not seeing is more unbearable than seeing. We don't feel it at the time because when I'm in my avoidance space, when I'm not wanting because it's too painful, I know when I went through my second IVF treatment, I was like, there was a part of me going, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to go? Do I really want to be a parent in my 60s now? You know, like a young, like a, having young children in my 60s do, or a teenager in my 60s. Do I really want to, working with teenagers, do I really want to go there? Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't bear, I couldn't bear not trying. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't bear, it's like I couldn't, and for me, when I, I don't know, it, it, not, I see what it feels, I see women in, in my groups when they connect to and they share their stories as we're sharing here, there's like a, there's a healing, there's a connectedness, there's a, um, I don't know about a relief, but there's, as you talk about, Berenice, there's a catharticness. But for me, there's a difference between when I paint, I remember being in a workshop when I'm painting, um, when I was painting one day and um, there was a catharticness of like, oh, you're making really big painting and this person was just like, oh, like splatting. I mean, it was just amazing. It's like this cathartic, I actually felt really good doing that right now. <laughs> um, but there's this sense of um, release, like release onto the canvas, releasing our dancing, release, you know, me just doing this, I can just feel the release in my body. But there's also a 
a gentle processing where you know mindfulness where we just feel what's in our bodies and allow it to for me you know others do it through planting gardening others do it through cooking others do it through yoga and meditation that they're able and breath breath work where we're embracing owning what's in our in our bodies and let it come in and then let it go out i mean that's the healthy part right and in um I can't think of this. This the trauma specialist. I've got his book. Um, he talks about when big emotions and these, you know, for me, trauma is one like trapped emotion in our body, but also emotion on top of emotion on top of emotion on top of emotion that hasn't been. So there's just layers and layers of emotion trapped in our body, and you know when um a um gazelle is being chased by a lion and he's in hyper alert and running for his life once he's got away and the lion's got tired or the cheetah's got tired because the gazelle can run a lot not as fast but he can run a lot longer distance than the cheetah um the uh, gazelle shakes the gazelle sort of like has all this trapped emotion in his but in their body like it's just like shut down quick and then it it flies right he just um and that shaking that sense of release it needs to release so i release onto the what you were saying berenice you released onto the book right in, onto your writing i release in my talk about cosmic smash booking in a second i release in my cosmic smash booking through resting pages and processing in my journal and um not sometimes on my painting um it's a different type of processing but we need to allow the body to to release to let go of the emotions and it's when we trap them inside that um and holding them that's when yeah it's sad we stay we stay still or we behave we go through the same cycling i know um with sarah we'll talk about the repeat cycling counseling and it's how, how can we stop that how can we stop this recycling um, and allow ourselves to live our lives um, and own it, right? And own and but live live a freer life, live a more vital vitality life, live a more joyous life as a childless woman, a man, person. You know, I was thinking about genders actually, because there's you know there will be and there are um, people out there who don't um identify as man woman and still will be childless so that i'm sure that's going to be coming soon into our awareness well it started coming to my awareness as i was writing copy yesterday but um so how can how can we release how can we own how can we embrace how can we 
reclaim our lives? How can we get rid of these old burnout messages that we're not enough, that we're not okay in society? And just thinking about these people out there who tell us, oh, well, we can adopt them. You know, the stupid freaking comments that people who have don't understand who yeah who don't understand they're not educated in in they're not educated like i'm not always educated in gender um issues i'm not educate completely i'm not educated in other areas um but i own that and i try and sort of Oh, you know, um, find out and, um, but I don't become an expert in things that I don't know. <laughs> does that make sense? No, no you might not. <laughs> it does no, make sense. Much Absolutely. Much it does, yeah. Really? Um, yeah, no, that absolutely it does make sense. It's kind of it's why we kind of broaden the the podcast and have lots of all of our guests here to talk about that because there's things that we you know oddly we don't know about either. <laughs> a lot we don't know. Well, it's almost like our podcast is like a, it's it's our own personal little edu your education hub where you yeah. know, um, and as Berenice says, the, the the guests we get on are here to enrich us. Mm as well as our audience which is actually, just the vehicle for that to happen yeah it is in fact actually this is a good point and um, just because we, we were going to say a long time where sarah is today we ought to just tell you that sarah we haven't we haven't left her from the podcast she's not she's not disappeared and run off somewhere um, um <laughs> she's, nothing to do with helen either <laughs> It's not. Um, Sarah, um, and we didn't actually announce this on the, on the previous episode, so we're going to announce it very belatedly so, but um, in August um, 2020, um, alongside in the middle of a pandemic, um, whilst balancing businesses, whilst this, this very podcast um, took over Sarah's life, um, she qualified as a counsellor. Yeah! So massive congratulations. But it's fantastic. So she's working really hard for that for that for a long time. Um, she brings so much experience and so much. I can say all this because she's not here, so we can sit there and just say how fantastic Sarah is. Because she's like, I don't know what I bring to the podcast, and we keep telling her lots. Stop. Yeah. You know, you didn't know. So she's fantastic. Obviously, our, our third person. She's not here, and she's actually on a workshop today um, on trauma. And I'm sure that at some point in a future episode, she will be talking to us about what she's learnt and about her um, recent journey to becoming a fully qualified counsellor. I know she's got loads of stuff coming up. Some exciting stuff with um, with Meriel actually, um, who very um, well, who has appeared on this podcast often and in the previous episode. Um, at the time of recording we haven't put that up but anyway it will be when this is released <laughs> it's like a whole parallel universe going on but anyway so well done Sarah um congratulations um lovely lady and she will be back on the next episode yes um, she will but we've got we just gotta we've got to delve into this just a little bit deeper because it's got yeah, a funny side to it that that Sarah and, and Helen have been communicating for months to try and get us all lined up and the day that we do it the day that we do it she she double booked with it with this workshop so yeah there's a guy so it's, it's well, we miss you sarah yeah we do we miss you loads it's 
right. it's so difficult sometimes to get everyone lined up when we we need to but it's all a teamwork um but we do miss you very much um but yeah she'll be back asking all the wise questions that we've probably <laughs> forgotten to ask <laughs> luckily we have helen here so <laughs> and helen knows all of the wise questions already <laughs> So it's interesting. I just want to take I want to take you back just to, just to probably what half an hour um, to when you talked about not being able to not being able to grieve because it's like you're not allowed. Yeah. So a funny thing happened to me today, and I'm blaming my wife. But um, she's been telling me all week that it's Father's Day. This Sun, well today, which is Sunday here in Australia. Oh well, it's Sunday there too. But anyway. So I've got in my head, it's Father's Day. And this morning I'm writing a couple of posts, which I like to do to let you know, the people around the world know, well, in Australia, because it's only for here, you know, that I'm thinking of the, the other guys around the world, you know, in Australia and, and then in the clan of brothers. And um, anyway, there was lots of people told me, you know, you're, you've got it wrong. So I feel a bit of an idiot. But I got a reply from a friend who said, this. I assume you're talking about Nick about Father's Day. You, you've got it wrong. It's next week. Now I can't help but think that it may be the intention was that. Well, I assume you're talking about Father's Day, as if to say that oh, I'm not allowed to mention it. You know, because I like to I like to mention Father's Day to the the males in the community, or the guy, or the people that identify as male in our community. There's someone thinking about them because you know the guys won't normally get that but it's almost like i'm not allowed to say that how dare i how dare i say that on a special day like father so yeah going back to what you so again you helen you resonate quite you know a lot with me and isn't it interesting it's like that place of um of course we i mean as as a non-mother but i mother myself and i definitely you know i suppose my work I have to be careful not to mother but you know it's it's a caring um profession it's 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 um it's my baby you know empowered childlessness is my baby my cat is my baby you know i i just because we i don't have a child there's still that mother you know it's a part of whether evolution it's a part of me that doesn't die just because I don't have children I what I actually it's interesting because I'm as I'm talking it's like actually it it needs to be owned I love that word actually just just own it <laughs> just own, embrace it reclaim you know reclaim that mother within ourselves it's the same as you know in embrace own our warrior in all of us man and woman embrace our feminine and masculine sides embrace our queen our sovereignty you know the work that i do it's like it's embracing it reclaiming our queen our king and and living those lives for me that's empowering the work that, that over the last year i've been doing work personal work around owning those those um archetypes within myself and 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 it's interesting as i'm talking it's like my shoulders broaden do you mean it's like being in our king being in our queen being in our um mother part and it's like too right do you mean too right that we talk about mothering 
Sunday and fathering Sunday um, and we were just talking about before we pressed record wasn't it it was just like actually what happened for me what happens is that not so much now actually because there is a lot of I have done quite a lot of grief but I still feel even during this podcast I'm still feeling those feelings they just don't overwhelm me you know I see them I feel them in my body and then they I go oh there they are and then I can breathe and just get on with my the podcast um interesting because you can see it and you're sitting here obviously the podcast viewers can't listeners can't see this but actually you can see it in your body language as well but yeah. I think it's very visual um that that sitting up straighter when you're saying like your shoulders shoulders broadening and yes you're you're sitting up straight it's so interesting to see that and you know it's it's very um yeah yeah it's interesting it's just yeah I've actually painted I painted my queen and uh, mm. work the work that I do personally and I am thinking about bringing that out to other women and men actually I hope you do because I think it's very powerful I, think, I mean it's definitely in my cosmic in my workshops in my 40-day workshops we talk about um the queen and the um which I'll talk about in a second but there's something about father's day um, and mother's day it's like when that comes and it same as christmas right christmas valentine's day all these days that are scattered through the year for me what they've done is they are a port a portal they are a trigger they are a trigger to anything that is going on for me that i've not done that I've not, the work, the emotional work that I've not looked at. So it's really important for me to light candles. So I honor those emotions that come up because grief will come up. You know, it's, and, and I hope I don't put my foot in, but I, I'm hesitant, but there's part of me sort of going, say it, Helen, is like those triggers are important they are doorways. They are, you know, Jody days. I get, I'm wondering if this is, they are gateways to own and to reclaim ourselves in who we are, not to, and you know, for me, it's like with gusto, do you know what I mean? With love and kindness was my other workshops. We own ourselves as women and men who have, trauma in our past going through grief today who you know who are don't have children who need to think about you know Simon and I've been really talking about like where do we want to live when we're older you know the type of house that we want we live in a in a in a flat at the moment it's like you know who's going to look up not necessarily look after us like what's going to happen when we get older you know we don't have children my father passed in March and it's it's you know I'm really observing my mom and both myself and my brother we're speaking to her every day and I'm noticing actually I'm not gonna have that <laughs> what's gonna be calling me up and I need to think about those things not from a place of I'm gonna say not from a place of fear I'm I'm scared bit like how can I empower myself what things do I need to put into 
place now and I'm 54 54 so it's like there's stuff that I need to to work on to make sure um and I have you know there's oh I'm stuttering now so it's like there's things that I need to definitely work on that I'm not that need to be sorted by the time I'm in my 60s and 70s and 80s if I last that long and it's you know I suppose I digress and it's like how can the arts and how can the um the therapeutic arts how can counseling how can writing how can all of this be um support us it's owning right it's the first step and I love Michael you talked about safety with Vicky because it's like how can we create that safe place for ourselves because no one else is going to do that for us counseling and therapy can help us identify we don't have a safe place and it can be one of our safe places if we're lucky um it's like how can we create a safe place and I suppose with my writing my my arts I have no one telling me I can't do stuff in my writing that's you know I worked with Cameron um Julia Cameron in I'm with her artist way and morning pages well over 26 27 years ago I started so I don't I don't um what's the word I don't um critique my writing I don't I'm not I don't have a policeman <laughs> please my inner critic I tell to go and off itself do you know I mean when I'm writing I still have creative wounds around my creativity but I work through them and I support other women and men to work through that through their wounds and for me going through the creative wound as Brene Brown talks about actually helps me in my grieving and my in my life because if I can work through that creative wound if I can allow myself not to to stand up and and this is internal practice for myself I know Benice you're creative um I don't I'm not sure Michael I know you have creativity I'm we've it's the first time we've really met but it's like how can we allow ourselves to be free how can we stop policing ourselves policing our emotions policing what we do criticizing what we do as a human being and however we do that whether it's yoga whether it's cooking whether it's gardening whether it's making for me it's about getting in my sketchbook or my cosmic smash booking my smash book and I allow myself to listen and just to do what needs to be done I put my pen on my paper I put my brush on my paper I put my brush in my color and I support other women to trust their internal wisdom and they start realizing how they what is stopping them as soon as you come to your sketchbook as soon as you come to your cosmic smash booking as soon as you 
are in front of your canvas, your journal, you start noticing what stops you. And when you go through that and you tell whatever's stopping you to go in and jump into a river or get torn up in, we, we do the next sizes, tearing up our internal judger, our internal criticism, our, our negative beliefs, and we plop them in where they need to do go, which is either a little doggy poo bag or in the bin and outside the actual environment, because it's toxic, right? That stuff is toxic. We need to get it out. And then we turn up freely and we, well, I suppose with Kat Geller, who is my teacher as a, I'm a qualified cosmic smash book guide, we just turn up at our page and we ask what needs to be looked at or we write what is actually truly in our hearts and our minds and we ask for guidance we ask for um healing we ask for um instruction we ask for calmness we ask for grounding we ask for what we need and then the miracle of this process is that it's it's given to us quite quickly our wisdom is given to us we know the answers um in my workshop create joy last year i was told to go to the himalayas i was almost booking it but um i needed to medically i needed to sort some stuff out but it's something that feels really true in my heart that that a adventure needs to be done and i lit up those i think there was 11 women in my group and they saw me light up you know and i did the research and it was like reclaiming something that had not been in my consciousness at the time because it was unconscious so how can we get tap into the unconscious mind our unconscious wants and needs our excitement again you know at 40s and 50s the women and men that we we work with you know i worked with a 30 30 old 30 ish year old and um she had a an amazing story i won't tell her story here but it was amazing and through the 40-day program a few months ago, she uncovered what she really wanted to do. She, let, she, she had her scream. She had her, I suppose, breakthrough within the 40 days to, to, to let go, to release, and then to reclaim what it was, what her heart really desired. And she made a choice, one of the most bravest choices to really let go because she's still young to, but she made a choice. She like, she had had enough. She's taken her life back into her own hands and she's training. She's, um, yeah, she's retraining. And, and I can imagine her in this community in, in, I don't know, a year's time really making a difference to other women and um and she's starting to tell yes talk to her family talk to friends talk to women in the community of how important it is to 
I know, reclaim her, your, ourselves, right? To reclaim the lives that have not been lived. I mean, Jodie's beautiful copy about, you know, her book, Living the Unexpected Life. That is the book's title. I've got it in my <laughs> bookshelf. Living a life unexpected. That's, that's, it, it, it's profound. And it's like, how do we, do that how can we embrace our lives how can we then release and then reclaim and live a life that we i sort of pause here because i living a life that we back in i i don't think it's hope it's after hope it's like living a life that we want to live that we're excited to live that we i suppose meaning right people are talking about creating recreating meaning in our life where i wrote a post last week of thinking out my whole life was about getting pregnant not my whole life 10 years of it was about getting pregnant, 10 years of hope of trying to have a family, 10 years of picking acupuncture and research and, oh my God, I mean, it, it's, it's a passion, right? <laughs> you know, some of us go at it with a passion and my poor partner, oh me, do you know what I mean? It's like freaking app galore, right? <laughs> I mean, oh god yeah the time oh wasted on online as well and oh, it, you know and it's like you know it, decision making and if we go down the ivf route we go down you know i was speaking to someone privately last week about you know she's adopting and it's like she's made that decision she doesn't want an ivf she doesn't want to go down the donor egg so it's like connecting reconnecting to what is it that we want what is it that we want and it's like we're suddenly it doesn't work and we either it's taken away from us and it's like how do we find ways to grieve this loss in the most beautiful messy with gusto right allowing ourselves to be seen of how painful and there's so many women out there in this community so many women in my community this woman comes to my mind and she's like this is the first time helen that i've spoken about this with four other women uh, five other women this is the first time that i've opened my mouth and i feel so much better because i've spoken it's painful but i'm i'm not alone in this anymore i i'm not alone and we shouldn't be alone we shouldn't i mean we have to walk our paths right three of us here we walk our separate paths with our partners who you know my we we've worked really hard to em, embrace and recognize for me owning how simon feels and how simon processes and how he which is so different <laughs> oh my god i've got anyone as different to processing their emotions than i am i mean really it's quite quite amazing how we've chosen each other because he doesn't do it he doesn't process 
how I process and I can't make him process the way I process but I demand yeah I demand I demand that he allows me to do what I need to do for myself and I thought he demands that I respect how he does things because he can't do things any different and that doesn't mean we don't you know we don't speak about things and we don't um yeah I stop pushing he stops avoid you know I stop pushing him and he's he sort of turns around and allows me to for him to see me do things my way I hope that makes sense and the arts have sort of given me I suppose you know this is the book that I'm won't be able to see uh this is my book so this is my um cosmic smash booking um from the 40 days and um, I think what and this is the book that I'm working on now which is which I knitted uh, this is I knitted a cover that's beautiful and I knitted it this is I knitted this um it the title we give our books intentions and titles and this book is about connection and it came about in a workshop around connecting to family connecting to mother and father which was excruciating for me really <laughs> um and I wanted to make my own book around connection because, and I knitted this, and this is, I knitted this at a time when, just after my father passed and we went into lockdown, and I just sat on my sofa in my studio and just knitted. I had no idea what I was knitting, and it, it just has, you know, knit and plain, and it just, I just trusted where the needle needed to do a knit on the plane and just trust my intuition. And it doesn't actually, you know, it, at the back, I, I sort of made these, sort of stitched these together, really, because it doesn't fit all on the back. Um, but there's something about sometimes we're not always connected, right? And we just have been to this sort of, sort of interpret these as, you know, sometimes it's thin threads that connect us to people, if that makes sense. And yes, it does. And, yeah. And it's, you know, it has my, suppose it has my heart and soul. It has images and um, positive imagery and um, frustrations of not feeling connected at times and um and no one needs to see it um i show it to people who get it i show it to people who do similar work i show it and i speak my truth and even if it's just to one person that's what matters right that's that's what matters in life is that which is understood and empathized and um and that we get to see and own it um and i suppose as a child counselor children and we thinking about our own like us as children 
we when a child is empathized with their whole body releases when a child is so distressed and upset when the parent comes to them and says gosh you're really upset about something can you tell me or can you show me the whole body is just like you know someone sees me someone hears me or gosh you're really angry about something you know can you tell me about that can you show me how you know your anger and um and then helps that person to to process to own themselves and their whole body relaxes and grounds in themselves they don't have to disown themselves so this is what we give to us this is what i give to myself this is what i feel so passionate that within ourselves there are those little children who need to be heard and seen and empathized so we get to own what our lives we get to be seen we get to relax we get to let go we get to um so how can people find more, um, more about you helen yeah and what you do well my website is i have a front page so they can come in and um which is from, it's called www.empoweredchildlessness.com. Um, and the website is growing. So you'll be able to find it because by the time this goes out, it will be up and running with much glory. There's a free <laughs> gift that is on the page, which is a resting page, which I show you how to, um, it, when you're feeling really angry and when you're feeling really upset or you're feeling really, say, really pissed off, enraged, or you're feeling lost, or you're, you know, um, you don't, or you're feeling numb, whatever you're feeling, you can rest. And I show you how you can rest on a page mm -hmm. and process, start, and just come back into our bodies so we're not in fight, flight, freeze mode. So um, that's a free gift. It's a 20 minute video and I show you, work, walk you through that. Okay. Yeah, yeah we'll, put that, we'll put that in the show notes because, yeah, we won't be going out for... Yeah, yeah, in October. A couple of months. Yeah, we'll pop all that on there too and anything else that you want to share as well. And I know that um, a long time ago, it must have been about two years ago, we were on longer than that actually i think now we were actually on a workshop with you we sarah steph from world child this week and i we all joined you on a workshop and yeah. um, webinar um and it's very therapeutic so i can absolutely thoroughly personally recommend um checking out all of helen's work and her courses as well it's so inspiring um, to talk to you as a fellow creative who who does the same as you i i write i don't write every day but i certainly draw most days and i went through a point during the my grief where i i stopped 
because mm. I literally couldn't and I think there's also that, that element of kind of um, loosening up a little bit and not judging so much but also not being affected by other people that so much of this stuff is quite private too so I work in an area or my, my, my other life outside of the podcast is as a designer and a creative it's always been my, my thing that I do um, and you are constantly judged, critiqued because you're working with people, with clients and it's all very public facing so um i think one of the things i wanted to sort of to, to say is that actually it's not about what other people think when you're creating something and when you're doing something it isn't it's it's about you it's and um, there's a whole i'm sure there's a whole other conversation that, that we could all have about imposter syndrome <clears throat> but um we'll perhaps come back to that another time um because i think <laughs> that could be very long certainly from my point of view anyway um but i think it's um important that it's that we look after ourselves as well important and it's not about the outcome i think you know yeah as a as a designer um of course we need to critique right and people we need to get it right <laughs> that people want to get it right um whatever that means but i think with the therapeutic arts it's not about getting it right and even in the designer yeah it's very different art, yeah right? we need to that creative flow we need that we need it um to to get our creative juices going and, and um we need to trust that i think we in the therapeutic arts in my workshops it's it's about just turning up a lot of the time i don't even know what i'm gonna do mm, that's it yeah yeah have to allow ourselves to turn up at the page, allow ourselves to take care of ourselves, this part of our lives that don't usually get a word in edgeways because mm. we're busy, we're in relationship, we're working, surviving, getting on. And it's like, how can we, yeah, take care of ourselves, this yeah. part. Yeah. Thank you so very much, Helen, for joining us today. Um, I think we've covered so much. It's been such an interesting conversation. I knew that it would be, and it's just absolutely wonderful to have you with us on the podcast. Thank you for being with us today. Go off in my own flow as well to talk yeah. about things. Well, it's an, I found it so interesting because I think actually just the conversations that I've been having quite lately in my life, um, and I know that there have been conversations you've been having as well, Michael, that I, I think it's very important um, that we, we, we talk about that. But it's lovely to have a different perspective on it and a different narrative from you as well. And that's just deep insight in the work that you do as well. So thank you very much um, for joining us today. Thank you. Welcome. It's, been, it's been really lovely spending time with you, Helen. Oh, you too, Michael. You too. I love you're, you. you're on. The, you're on the list for when I get over there. All right. You're... Yay! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very long list. <laughs> And that's all we have to leave our show for today. But please don't forget that we are also on the Trinity of Facebook, Insta, and Twitter. And all these links can be found on our website, www.thefullstoppod.com, where you can also register to our newsletter so you can keep up to date with what we're up to. We would also really appreciate it if you could rate us on the platform you're using to listen to the podcast. The more ratings we get, the wider our spread, and the more of the community we can reach. We'll put all of Helen's contact details in the show notes. 
Now, if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or have a burning issue you think our community should be aware of, we've got all official and have a form on the website that you can fill in to give us some details. Now, don't forget, we really love hearing from our audience, so please drop us a line at any time. Hit us up for a friendship on Facebook, connect with us on Instagram or Twitter. Now, don't forget about our virtual coffee chats on Saturday. You can find all the info on that on our Facebook page if you'd like to join us. And as always, it's important for us to let you know you are not alone. Yeah, it's recording. Good. Yay. First time. Nerves. Stage fright. (laughs)